0: When really I think you're building your credentials with customers uh, in B2B or in b 2 t when you're showing them how to solve a problem that they have. You know Their problem isn't, oh gee, I wonder what the history of your company is. It's more like, how do I do this today in my lab, and how do you make it the easiest for me? Welcome to Life Science Marketing Radio, the podcast where marketing leaders inside and outside the sciences share their creative ideas and practical approaches to increasing your marketing ROI. Here's your host, Chris Conner.
1: Before we get started, I want to thank my sponsor partner, the Association of Commercial Professionals Life Sciences. ACPLS provides marketing, sales, and customer service professionals an international forum for the exchange of knowledge, including opportunities for ongoing education, networking, and professional development. Those networking and development opportunities have been very valuable to me personally and I believe would be equally valuable to anyone listening to this podcast. To learn more, visit acp-ls.org. And while you're there, subscribe to the newsletter to receive content and activity updates. Now, let's get back to the show. Today's guest is a digital marketer who's passionate about creating moving content that's worth sharing and caring about. Jeremy Scholz is a Senior Market Development Manager for Content Marketing at Thermo Fisher. Jeremy, thanks for being on the show.
0: Thanks for having me, Chris. This is is great.
1: Well, I've been looking forward to this one. I think it's going to be fun. All right. So you have um, an interesting background for someone in our industry and because you came from the consumer electronics world. So could you tell me a little bit about your time marketing consumer electronics, kind of what that was like and how it might be helpful, some things you learned to bring them into our industry?
0: Sure. Yeah, I I was with. Pioneer Electronics in their car audio division uh, for a little over four years, and I spent some time also at Belkin, um, you know, who's mainly doing iPhone accessories and uh, mobile electronics and things like that. Um, It was a lot of fun, you know. And marketing consumer electronics is is really rewarding because you you know it's something you can kind of talk about with your friends and family about what you're working on. And when you say I'm in marketing, people always always you know make that connection with oh, you do advertising. Um, but as it's grown, and especially when I was getting into it um, in the mid-2000s, there was this big kind of change happening about brands developing digital content to to educate their customers. You know, you had things like YouTube taking off where brands could totally take advantage of airtime and people were searching for content on digital forums um, and, and video sites. So um, it, it's a great time to sort of be at the beginning of all that happening with all these brands. Um, so working in car audio, you know, that industry in particular is really surrounded by uh, and empowered by your enthusiasts. You know, these are people that are, when I say car audio, I mean aftermarket car audio. So yeah. you've made the decision that the CD player you have in your car isn't good enough and it needs USB and Bluetooth and stuff like that. Um, so you're looking at car enthusiasts that are willing to throw down the money to replace their speakers and throw in some amplifiers and subwoofers um, and really upgrade their technology um, and their dash. Uh, so, you know, it's it's a whole host of having experience online for people um, to see and really kind of feel out the products that they're thinking of purchasing. So really great interactive web content, uh, really rich videos that kind of get people already understanding how this can work in their car. And then um, the other end, I think, of consumer electronics that people perhaps don't, um, you know, even know about or appreciate if you're not in that industry is marketing to your retailers, which sometimes you spend as much time, if not more, uh, doing so to really kind of sell yourself into stores. And so, I mean, our big targets were of course at the time, like Best Buy and Walmart. And then you have thousands of other, um, independent retailers that are in the car electronics business. And, um, at the time too, Pioneer was also in the plasma TV business, which was, you know, really competitive and the TV market is still really competitive. And, um, you know, sadly, plasma TVs have, have, have gone away, um, even though they were still the best, in, in our opinion. Um, but, yeah, it, it was a lot of fun to really kind of tell that technology story. And I think especially it was, as it was evolving around, iPhone really kind of came out and this became such a, you know, central part of your life. And then how does that extend out into the car? Um, so, yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun to sort of tell that, that technology story.
1: So, from an educational point of view, you're talking about when you, one thing you mentioned that caught my ear was, um, you know, how this could work in your car. So, you're creating content that I'm imagining one gives someone an experience just by watching it, and right. then two is also helping them understand what kinds of things they're going to have to think about to put a new system in their car so that. You're not hacking the dash, and it's going to look good and sound good when you're done or, or whatever other kinds of problems, right?
0: Right, right. Yeah, and, and I mean one big tool that we use a lot of um, for for the understanding how it works on my car was a, a tool we called the Fit Guide. And this is a pretty standard tool where you'd plug your make and model your car into the, the website, and it would tell you what size speakers you need and, and you know, what size your dash was because there's like two – you know, actually there's a few different standard dash sizes to – to fit these stereos in, um, but we went a little bit further to say, okay, well, not only are these the speaker sizes, but these are our speakers that fit that requirement. No one was really doing it at, that at the time. This is 2008, and then uh, we also on a on the back end, we had a really powerful uh, retailer social network, um, which was uh, you know pretty pretty ahead of its time. And the main purpose of that was to educate our retailers. Um, through like classroom style kind of presentation about our products. So they felt really comfortable selling it. And then it had its own um, like point system and people would accrue points and they could use their points to bid on free products from the company. So it's a really popular tool. But we also built in a thing on that um, uh, that social network for the retailers to upload photos of their installations. And yeah. we let retailers put in the, the meta tags in there on the make and model of the car and all that stuff like that. And then we told the retailers, if you send us these pictures of your installations, we will then feature these installations on our particular products, um, just like people feature their their photos of their products to consumers anyway. You know what I mean? So yeah. if you went on a particular stereo and you said, this is my car, you would then be shown photos from real retailers who've installed that same product in your car. And then the retailer kind of gets a free plug um, yeah. or gets that proper promotion. So you kind of really, one, it's helping you out as a customer to understand what this looks like. Two, it's helping the retailer because now they get to, you know, pitch their wares beyond just being listed as a retailer. And then it helps Pioneer at the time because now we've got better content for you on our website. Um, So that was when we really tackled that. And then to the end of getting people to understand how a product works, you know, we really tried to get more into answering that high-level question. And at the time, this was sort of still a novel concept of, like, how do I – use Bluetooth in my car. You know, this was when it was sort of becoming state law to have Bluetooth in your car, or hands-free, we'll say. And, you know, so we'd, we'd have that content served up of, like, how to pair your phone or what it's like to use your phone with Bluetooth. And you'd walk someone through that process of pairing their phone, and then their contacts show up on the screen and all that stuff. So now you're getting an idea of, like, wow, that's really easy. I think this is the model that's right for me. Where do I go to buy it? And, you know, so you try to connect the dots for people. And I think that's where we were really trying to when the battle beyond just features and specs was that information battle that's in front of consumers even today, you know, how do we get the best information in front of people in the easiest way possible?
1: Yeah. So I love that. I just wrote a blog post on it this morning. I'm not even quite sure I'm done, but it's all about this education. And so you talked about, um, Bluetooth, for example. So I'm not a big Bluetooth expert. My wife uses it in the car, but, uh, One of the things I was talking about in the blog post is assuming that people know what they need and how they're going to use it, which I think is a mistake a lot of companies make. Like maybe, you know, people – you could have a company selling Bluetooth systems for a car and just assuming that if people want a Bluetooth, they know how it's going to work and they're going to get one. And I think especially for scientific instruments, not only do they want to know what it can do, they need to feel confident that they're going to be able to use it successfully right and and so uh, i don't think you can go too far in showing people not only what it can do but how they're going to use it down to the very most basic things to to make them feel like okay if i got this thing i know i'd be comfortable using it
0: right right exactly you know and i think it's also it's it's probably peeling away sometimes that that curse of knowledge we have as marketers where we constantly want to sort of work in our proprietary trademark we have around this feature or that we're the best at this or we have a legacy of doing this. And, you know, really at the end of the day, people just, they want to see how it works, you know? So I think sometimes the storytelling of it gets sort of muddled in, um, how much a brand wants to assert its expertise. And I think sometimes brands confuse that expertise with its credentials, um, when really I think you're building your credentials with customers uh, in B2B or in B2T when you're showing them how to solve a problem that they have. You know, their problem isn't, oh, gee, I wonder what the history of your company is. It's more like, how do I do this today in my lab and how do you make it the easiest for me? Because then that's going to that's gonna get you in the door as a brand to even, you know, be part of that discussion.
1: Exactly. It's the differentiator. So yeah. I- I'm guessing Bluetooth systems aren't wildly different for cars.
0: No, I mean, if everybody's got the same Bluetooth standard, they all kind of work the same. I, I think you know you could work on the the interface. You know, people really that was and that still is a contentious area of how you know user interface design is. Um, but yeah, I mean, you've really got to I think get higher than just having that that spec
1: right. in, so your, in your product, the education you're providing becomes the differentiator that makes them buy from you. Correct, and, and that's I think that's the it's the same thing for. For scientific instruments, and um, so let's um, let's shift gears a little bit. I'm gonna move on to just talk a little bit more about life science products and educational content that um, you're producing at Life Tech, which is now part of Thermo Fisher. You guys have been killing it for a long time. When I when I'm looking around for great examples of content marketing, Life Tech. Brand keeps popping up so kudos oh, to thanks. you guys i thank you um and so let's do this i want to talk about two series of educational videos you're doing one is the ask tac man and the other is lab chat so mm-hmm. first of all can you describe what each of those series are
0: sure yeah um it was a few years ago we were encountering the the challenge in in the field with you know, customers running into probably common problems or maybe um, not finding the foundational content they needed to understand how to use our products. And, um, you know, in the end of the, at the end of the day, the products are the solution. And so, how could we present this in a new and different way? And so, um, just based on the background I had in consumer electronics, just coming fresh out of it um, when I got hired on to, at the time, Life Technologies um, – we, we pitched the idea that you know customers would probably be really well served if they could find the educational content they needed around QPCr and so we, we kept kind of you know brainstorming the idea and, and it turned into um, a video series that was going to be uh, kind of sort of you know by scientists for scientists and so it was hosted by um, one of our own employees and he wrote the scripts and I uh, did a phenomenal job hosting And then the call to action at the end of every video, too, is you can submit your own questions to ask TACMAN and we'll make new videos. And that's what we did. And so we did sort of an episodic series that was tackling a question that was commonly coming up um, for qPCR users. And, um, you know, and it's great content to have. For your, your regular content calendar, if you're doing social media marketing in our industry, you're, you know, you're always looking for things to kind of push out and have it be high value and be very engaging. And it's on brand and it's also relevant. And this was this was great content. But as it turns out, it's also awesome evergreen content. And we were seeing viewership of this video series increase over time, even though we weren't actively promoting it. You know what I mean? We weren't constantly emailing people about it. They were coming to us, or they were at least going to YouTube, I'll say, and um, Searching in what they needed help on, and they were coming across our content, and the uh, engage. So one, we were getting great views, and that's the first step we were sort of seeing in measuring success on YouTube. the The next step was really seeing engagement, and we were finding people were far more likely to comment on that kind of content or subscribe to our YouTube channel and um, really kind of stick with us as a content publisher versus it just being a very you know, one-off experience where we serve an ad and then they go away and we don't, you know, we don't really engage with them anymore or we can't. So, um, yeah, we, we, we're continuing to do that Ask Tacman series and we see wonderful engagement from it. We then chose to, um, earlier this year, um, our team made a dedicated sequencing series called Seek It Out. So to kind of play on that whole ask and then we, you know, okay, how do we do sequencing? And so we came up with Seek It Out. And uh, that's all about NGS and Sanger sequencing, and it's same principle there. You know, we ho- have our own employees hosting, um, rewrite our scripts internally and, uh, and vet them internally, and um, yeah, regularly produce this content. I think we also strive for a high, high value of uh, of production. You know, so it's it's really easy to watch. Um, you know, and I think that that also lends to the whole credibility um, that you want to display when, when you're producing your video content as well you know don't, don't you know you want to make it accessible and feel personal and sometimes that people can equate that with being low budget but I, I think we've also tried to um, yeah maintain a, a standard at which you know people feel like okay this is coming from this has been done pro- professionally and it's coming from a you know reputable brand and uh, I, I would come back and see more of this content the nice. um, yeah so that's that's the ask series as we call it
1: and what about Lab Chat? Yeah, Lab Chat. You know, it was
0: um, it started off as an experiment where we thought it would be really interesting um, to hear more of a conversation with our customers and let them talk more about their work than um, than just maybe straight up product testimonials, which I know are you know super key in in our market. Um, And so it was a longer form. I would say it's almost like our version of a podcast with customers where we we chat with customers for like five to seven minutes. And um, that's also been a very engaging series for for us as well, Um, and we're continuing to do that. But, um, yeah, I think we're trying to take on more of this series thinking around our video content and what can we get people regularly anticipating from us. Um, So just based on what we knew, people like to hear what other customers have to say sometimes more than what brands have to say, right? Yeah. And, uh, and that was definitely the, the effort there with, with LabChat, to get customers um, a great platform to share their work. And I think our goal, too, is to not just um, you know promote the work on our instruments and uh, in our, in our reagents, but to also uh, really lift up our customers. I think to show others, you know, these people are doing amazing things, um, similar to how you would have nature you know, profile a researcher and kind of dive deeper into one of their publications. That's what we wanted to do in video form with LabChat.
1: Yeah, no, I think they're both fantastic examples um, for many of the reasons you say. So um, kind of self-produced, high, high enough production values to look professional, um, and then engaging, creates anticipation, and then shining the light on your customers, um, which I know is, is hard. I've, I've done some of that in the past sometimes it's just hard to get customers to talk about what they're doing but if they're doing basic research a little easier um but so let's talk about that so um two things i think people would be interested in one is and maybe you touched on it a little bit where do you get the inspiration for those projects and then two i think it would be helpful for people to understand how much effort goes into producing those series
0: yeah and so it's the inspiration you know I think we we have a lot of um, channels, internal you know communication channels we're using here. Um, I can't really get into too many of them, but uh, I'll just say that you know we we really try to do the best job we can of listening. What is the market going to need, um, either straight from customers or or from our own internal folks uh, to to understand what's going to help us to tell our our best story, and so a lot of that consists of. Um, just regularly keeping our ear to the ground in, with formal mechanisms we've set up and through through market research. Um, so that sort of steers us in that, you know, finding those insights we need to tap into. Then to kind of layer on um, some more inspiration, you know, creatively, where we maybe have not seen others do this in life sciences, but we want to sort of kind of blaze a trail, Um you know, we'll look outside, and I'd say we're we're not so much influenced by other outside brands uh, as we maybe we are more influenced today on what's happening in just general content consumption, in news and in media. And so, you know, you have a podcast, Chris, and, and you know you're reaching an audience that is preferring to get this content in audio form, where they can just kind of listen and dive into a conversation. And we're looking at all those sorts of trends. And uh, I think kind of coming up with a creative way to to present it. And I think the cool thing with doing these things digitally, um, as all of our marketers listening will know, is you can experiment, you know, and you get instant metrics and uh, you're able to sort of really understand, okay, this worked, you know, or let's tweak this. Uh, This did not. And so let's tweak this. So, um, you know, I'd say a a lot of what we've been seeing, um, I'll say we draw direct inspiration from a lot what's happening on YouTube, where you have non-traditional media companies that are really in the form of individuals. People call them YouTube creators. And um, they're doing really wonderful things as far as how long video content is or how it's presented and how they regularly publish and how they're keeping in touch with their fan base um, to the podcasting world. And then I even think even looking at how consumer brands develop really rich – Uh, media experiences when products are launched and when we're talking to customers um, I think we're drawing a lot of inspiration from them as well. So um, I think we're kind of just trying to pull different swatches from different places, if you know what I mean. And then doing our best to put it in our palette.
1: Right. No, I think you're doing a great job. So I think a lot of people are really curious about the effort it takes so they can, of course, and I will put links in the show notes for all of these things, how much effort it takes to produce an ask tech man or a lab chat. And I'm not asking that. I honestly don't know for you, but yeah. my impression is that people overestimate how much it takes to produce some media. And so I'd love to find out from you what it, what it really oh, like takes. they think it's
0: too hard or too expensive.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, see, I
0: think we've encountered that on the opposite end of the spectrum. Oh, wait, you know, I, I think, yeah, if, if someone's never done it, um, they, they might. They go, you know what, I can't even think about that because it's going to be incredibly difficult. And I think that's where we try to innovate internally here to make things easier for all of our teams to to kind of use, right? Like the lab chat. We go, okay, this is going to be a new way of talking to customers because um, it's going to eliminate a lot of things that might have been headaches for, for people in the past to get that customer testimonial. Um, so I think it's on both ends. I think people sort of take it for granted that, oh, you just you just throw it in, it can be done quite easily. But there's a lot of kind of fit and care that you'll work, either we'll do internally or we'll work with some really talented uh, vendors to, to do for us. I think the effort and time um, can sort of be a propor- proportional on like the great relationship you have with your vendors or your creative folks. Mm-hmm. And um, I think getting the job done sometimes um, is maybe the easier part, in, in, but finding really great people is, is the most challenging part. So, great um,
1: vendors or great people to do the uh, both. Okay,
0: both. I mean, you know, just example of us doing um, Man. You know, we've been really lucky to have great internal people host our video content because we feel that's super important to add to the credibility of our our content. Um, but then you need someone that's comfortable in front of the camera, and and not everybody is. And you know, to your point too about trying to interview customers, whether that be at a trade show or on LabChat, some of them aren't. You know willing to, or, or don't, aren't really comfortable being, uh, telling their story in that forum. So they can try to sort of innovate and, you know, think of better ways to present that story. Um, but I think the work involved, it, we, I think it gets underestimated from what we've seen, and especially in our industry too, it maybe just falls on one person in a particular division or business group. And uh, it's just not scalable. And the other thing, too, is when you've got a company as big as Thermo Fisher Scientific, um, there are multiple divisions and groups that are going to benefit by someone um, trying to scale a plan or a a template for content. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, you don't have all these, these groups and teams kind of reinventing themselves every time they want to kind of accomplish the same thing. Yes. So it's 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 a lot of work. I, I, I will say it, it probably... People maybe underestimate more more how much how much work it takes, and I think over time we've um, we've gotten to where we're at with how we're resourced internally, and um, how quickly we can churn content out by just kind of taking those baby steps of trying out the ask series, and then you know trying social in this way, and then going to trade shows and doing this, and it's sort of we've done a, we've worked really hard too on just promoting it internally um and i think then showing the roi on it really through ways of consumption and engagement more than you know direct revenue because that's how the content marketing game works and um you know we've developed that trust to sort of build build up the right team and resources to support the uh, to support the projects
1: okay so that wasn't the answer I expected, honestly. And uh, but I'm <laughs> I, I'm just looking for the truth. So yeah, um, truth is it's hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah it takes okay. A lot of time.
0: Okay. But I think too when you you know when you get down to it, um, you really try to think about how do we scale this. And I think where we've really tried to, to be smart is to not, yeah, reinvent something every time we want to do the same thing you know around like say customer testimonials or promoting publications or things like that you want to sort of build an engine and a system that content can kind of slip through and uh be vetted and um you know and ultimately get out to your communication channels
1: right so what i like about both of these things ask tac man and lab chat it looks to me and i don't watch a lot of them but i think i've watched enough to that you have kind of a a visual template. So you are set up to do the Ask Tac Man. There's a set, it looks like, in some way. Yep. And and it's a series. So you've committed to say, we're going to do at least X number of these, and then hopefully more people ask questions and you keep going. But you've made a plan um, and kind of a machine for producing a particular kind of content. And you're going to crank it for as long as it, it works, I imagine. right. Right, and and the same with Lab Chat. I'm curious specifically about Lab Chat. Are those Google Hangouts or how are those produced?
0: Uh, those are done through Skype. Oh,
1: okay, uh, so Skype, far, okay. Skype.
0: Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, you're, you probably use some software to record your interview right now, right?
1: Yeah, and yeah. we could record video if we were doing that. that yeah, yeah, so we
0: do kind of the same thing. And that was sort of you know we needed to kind of think about that one because we really wanted a high quality video capture, um, and it's tough sometimes when you've got a customer in like a basement lab on their like lte WiFi you know not wi-fi but they're using like lte cellular connection uh-huh. <laughs> they're trying to talk to you on skype and it's like this is getting a little tough um but i think yeah the goal is ultimately to get really good is the best we can video and audio which right. from a kind of a podcast standpoint um the, the the expectation is a little lower than say like yeah a vice news mini documentary you know right so yeah, you know, i think we kind of fit fit that into that profile of of media
1: cool well i i i want everyone to check out those and uh, more of your work especially rap battle we have probably a couple more reasons to bring you back i hope we get to um and i'm going to put a link to that on the show notes <laughs> um, that was a good that, one yeah, yeah.
0: That was a fun project.
1: That's just a different topic. I'd love to go into that one, um, but people should check it out anyway, and then they should email me and say, yes, bring Jeremy back. I'll <laughs> oh, find out about that thing. Oh, thanks, man. Um, but so finally, Jeremy, I want to wrap up with this. So I consider you um, to be a leader in this area of life science content marketing, and you came from outside the industry. And one of the goals of this podcast is to help other marketers become leaders in their own companies. And Really, what I want to do is help people elevate the art of marketing across our industry. I, my vision is that we create marketing that is as innovative as the science we're trying to sell. And so in addition to what you just talked about regarding you know the inspiration for your series and how you manage these projects and think about them and, and all the outreach, what else um, have you noticed that it's taken for you to be successful as a content marketer moving from uh, automotive, consumer electronics into life science instrumentation.
0: Yeah, and it, it was one. Thanks for for that compliment. I, I really appreciate that. It's uh, it's quite humbling. I think, you know, I'm doing the best I can. I, I think we've got a phenomenal team, and I think that's really what what drives me every day. Um, we've got really excited individuals um, that that want to do this same kind of game, and really taking it out of any sort of formal business education standpoint, I think it's just a matter of, you know, I was very fortunate to get the job I was able to get at the time with Life Technologies and very fortunate to have wonderful management and leadership that had a vision for this kind of content and then supported me along the way. And then it's just been a really great series of fortunate events to sort of grow into where we're at today um, as a brand. And I think we... um, we're all pretty, you know, driven by what our customers are doing, and I would say that's been so fulfilling for me. And, and when I look back on working in consumer electronics to being in life sciences, um, and I think I, I get this sense too from my, my my colleagues as well. But when we look at what the customers do here, it, it kind of feels like that higher calling in life. You know, when you feel like, wow, I'm I'm around work that is really important to society and the divisions we support or or groups we support at Thermo Fisher are all over the place from forensic science to inherited disease, to cancer and um, cancer research. And when you just dive into those stories, how can you help not, but be inspired? You know, it's, it's really moving. And I think where we are all driven and I know, and I can speak for myself to you is, we want to tell the most compelling story possible. And I'm just in love with that notion of marketing about where do I take a reader or viewer on some sort of arc where, you know, in in your very traditional kind of like movie making sense, you know, main character presented with a problem, main character, presented with challenge to not overcome that problem but then main character finds a way and we all kind of feel good at at the end and I think that arc is always going to be really interesting for people and people are always going to be in love with stories Um, I I just want people to really be in love with with the science that's happening around us and so um, I think when you've got that in your uh, gosh this is like pun intended but when you got that in your DNA (laughs) you know it really, it's gonna, it's gonna drive you, um, and it drives me. Now, Grant, I've got that sort of like mindset. I think we are also really well served by people who are highly analytical, and I, I don't think you'll find a shortage of those in the life sciences industry um, who help you get into your marketing data and really kind of analyze things. And then there's other, you know, of course, wonderful um, strengths we need around us to support that. But I would say, you know, for me, you've got to sort of try to find an arc um, to tell your story and to kind of bring people along a journey that I think needs to be laced in emotion as well as, of course, hardcore data. Right. But yeah. we're all getting mo- those, those customers are doing that great work are driven by an emotion to, to serve others, to um, I think serve their careers, to serve their teammates um, and ultimately serve society. And so um, I think when we start having those discussions and tell those types of stories, it, it, it never gets
1: old. Nice, yeah, that's beautiful, and it's it's a cool industry to work in. We get to to see these incredible scientific discoveries that are very important, as you say, for society, and yet we get to throw a layer of art on top of that as marketers. And to me, that's that's what makes this whole thing fun.
0: Well, and it's a really exciting time too, and I think there's tons of uh, headroom for for brands to kind of elevate that that storytelling uh, art. Oh yeah, um, you know, I mean, just think what's happening today with I mean, I, I'm looking very closely at it, but like how NASA communicates to the public <laughs> yeah. you know, and it's a really hot time for space exploration. and um but they're they're set up in a in a way that their whole organization is really empowered to tell stories and uh, whether it be through video form or I mean, like the space station has its own Twitter account. and the astronauts that are up there have their own Twitter accounts. That's amazing, right? No, and, they're, yeah, and I think there is just as much interesting work happening in really all the disciplines of life science that you could, you could fill that same sort of like content funnel. I think where the public, you know, it's easier for people to kind of grab a hold onto space maybe. Um, And maybe there's a bit of, you know, more education that the public can know about what we do. Um, But I even think our customers too, um, they're not always up to speed on techniques and and methods and things like that. And you kind of need to provide that background Um, and they're going to connect with other researchers, um, you know, just, just as well.
1: Yeah. Well, that's, yeah it's it's all great stuff and i love the nasa example those guys are um i would say exceptional at doing it and the astronauts themselves if you have not watched a video or listened to an interview with chris hadfield i highly recommend that personally i think he's the most interesting man in the world and (laughs) jeremy i want to thank you so much for this fantastic conversation i could go on and on on this whole thing but um Thank you so much for joining me today. You got it, Chris. Thanks so much for
0: having us. Appreciate it.
1: You bet. And thank you, listeners, as always, very much for joining us. Remember that a rating or review on iTunes is very much appreciated, and I will talk to you again soon. Bye-bye.